Hello, all. Friends, brothers and sisters, family of God. Uh, it's just such a joy to get to talk to you again. Today, I'm going to actually bring this series to a close for now. There's so much more I could say, but I think we'll, we'll stop with this theme after today. And so this is Take Heart, part four, five. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, anyway, we're going to wrap it up today. Back to the purposes. So last time I talked to you about one of the key purposes is transformation, is growth, is becoming more like Jesus. And so I want to highlight two more purposes, and then I want to wrap it up with finally about how do we pray in times like these? And we're going to look at Romans 8, 26 through 28, where so many times everybody knows 8, 28, but rarely see it in context with 26 and 27. So anyway, growth, I said, but gospel and glory were the other two purposes that, as I mentioned, I think, again, first and foremost, it's growth because we're trying to become more like Jesus. And maybe it'll cause people to ask us, how are you going through suffering in the way that you're going through it with such a crazy different peace and mindset and perhaps even joy? I want to pick up the thought of gospel, though, in terms of Paul having some specific kinds of experiences, and from my point of view, he is always thinking about how does this lead to conversations about the Lord? How does this lead to conversations with people getting reconciled to God? And and one of the first ones to me is uh, Philippians chapter 1, right? He's in chains totally wrongly, and he talks about the fact that the people out there sharing the gospel for wrong motivation— But he says, you know, that he rejoices because what has happened to him has worked for the advancement of the gospel. And I think that tells us, too, right away that Paul's always not just thinking about how is this causing me to grow, my faith to grow, become more like Jesus, but he's always thinking, God, your purpose is always about how people can come to know you and be reconciled to you and be in relationship with you and experience the wonder of the gift of being saved and renewed and etc. So again, he's thinking about this imprisonment, this unjust imprisonment, in such a way that he's thinking, well, others are preaching the gospel, and oh, by the way, at the end of the letter, he says, greetings from me and also from those in Caesar's household. <laughs> you know, it's like, I bet he's like, couldn't wait to get to the end of the letter to go, oh, and by the way, there are folks here in Caesar's household who have also come to know the Lord. But the point was, he's thinking, I'm here, this is opportunity. This is a chance to, Lord, how are you going to use this unfair, unjust sort of suffering event to continue your purpose of of drawing people to you? Well, there's two other stories, though, that blow my mind in that regard. And that's one is in Acts 16, where Paul and Barnabas are horribly mistreated, thrown into jail, it's just unfair. It's unjust. I think it's the one where the demons cast out and now these guys are losing their business because the girl can't do her kind of predicting thing anymore. And so these guys get thrown into jail, but it says that they get severely flogged. Then it says they are singing praises to the Lord. Now, come on, folks. Really? (laughs) All I can think of is if it was you or me, or maybe I should just speak for myself. If it was me and my back was bruised,
bruised and beaten, perhaps a little bloody. And here I was doing ministry stuff for Pete's sake. I mean, we cast out a demon. We're here to preach the gospel. And now suddenly I'm getting beaten and imprisoned. I would be singing, Woe is me, Lord, or nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Or get me out, Lord, set me free, God. I mean, I just can't imagine what they were singing. Praises to the Lord. I, 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 again, this is Paul's perspective that, that there is something that he's seeing this as light and momentary in light of, of he's on the planet for a purpose. And the purpose is God's purposes. And ultimately, it's about others. It's about people. It's not about himself. Well, many of you know the story, right, is that at some point at midnight, suddenly there's the earthquake, the doors open, chains fall off, jailer comes, and he's about to thrust a sword because he knows he's in trouble, assuming they're all gone. And Paul says, no, we're all here. And in my words, I think Paul said something like, maybe because he might have asked the question, right, what are you guys all doing here? And he might have answered, well, Because God didn't do this to set us free. God did this to set you free, to set you free from your anxiety and your fear and your hopelessness, despair and whatever else. But the freedom was not for their sake. The freedom was to get the jailer's attention. Who are you people that you would stay in jail? Who are you people that you're still here and you think you're still here for me? I just can't imagine how that would have blown him away. And of course, it did, because he and his whole household, right, comes to a relationship with Jesus. And then the best part is that, again, I think Paul doesn't want to be being chased as an escaped prisoner or whatever. You know, he knows he's there wrongly. And of course, they find out and uh, they have to let him go and he gets released honorably. But the one that's even more crazy in my mind is in uh, Acts 21, where Paul goes to Jerusalem. And gosh, when you read the story, it's crazy where suddenly this mob comes and there's even this line. In fact, I've got a Bible on my lap here and I, I think I want to turn to it because it, you just got to use your imagination, right? Imagining what this moment would have been like, where it says, the whole city was aroused And the people came running from all directions. Seizing Paul, they dragged him from the temple, and immediately the gates were shut. I'm like, oh, no. I can't even fathom. It says, while they were trying to kill him, news reached the commander of the Roman troops that the whole city of Jerusalem was in an uproar. He at once took some officers and soldiers, ran down to the crowd— When the rioters saw the commander and his soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. How long was that? And you've got a gate closed, you've got a a mob, and they are beating. And how long did it take before the commander finds out he sends soldiers and this beating stops? And again, you guys, I'm thinking, okay, Lord, is this what I signed up for? I mean, uh, where's the nice house? Where's the great salary? You know, where's this? Where's that? I mean... I just, yeah, I just can't even fathom how much that would have hurt, how, how much pain he was in. In fact, some of you that are more my age, you might remember when Rocky first came out. 
And when Rocky just gets beat to a pulp in those 15 rounds and you remember him crying out, yo, Adrian, and he's, you know, his face, you can barely see through either eye. And, and honestly, I'm just thinking about Paul must have looked something at least as bad as that or worse off. And so here, though, they take him away. And amazingly to me, out of a slit in his eye, Paul looks out and he doesn't see a rioting mob. He sees lost people. He sees an opportunity and he makes the guy stop and says, let me speak to the people. I'm thinking all I would have been thinking, right, is walking away is, oh, God, I hurt. Oh, God, I ache. I hope somebody can help me. Thank you for rescuing me. I'm so glad. Oh, man, Lord, this was awful, blah, blah, blah. And good riddance to you, crowd. And instead, he sees the crowd and sees that they're all there and he sees it as an opportunity to share. And so he tells them the gospel. That's a man who's got focus. That's a man who understands what he's on the planet for. Now, again, you guys, it's not saying, I mean, 1 Timothy 6, you know, Paul goes on to say that God's, you know, given us all these things for our pleasure. It's not that we can at times enjoy good things. It's just not the point. It's not the focus. When they happened, Paul said he had plenty. He was well fed. There were times when he experienced wonderful things and you just thank the Lord for it. But it's not the point. It's not the focus. We are here for others. All that is for the future. If we never were to experience it again, so be it. Because that has been postponed. That's for later. And we know it's going to happen. Right now, like Jesus, we are sent. We are living in the present for the sake of others and for his purpose. Well, lastly then, Paul also said it was to the praise of his glory. Or in Philippians chapter 1, when we go back there, when he's suffering this unjust suffering, he says, I know the Lord will give me courage, but he mostly says that whether I live or die, I just want Jesus to be exalted through my body, through my life. And guys, isn't that the end goal? Is that always, always, always we should be saying, Lord, I just want you to be exalted, whether I live or whether I die. It really doesn't matter. If I die, it's gain. If I stay, it's still you and serving you and loving others. Ephesians chapter 1 as well, he says, right, that he says, he predestined us according to the plan of him who works out everything to the praise of his glory. In the end, it's about God's glory, not my comfort. It's about God's glory. Well, the other thing I told you I'd finish out with is Romans 8, 26 to 28. This is such an important passage, but he says, we know that all things work together, or God is working all things together for those who love him, for those who are called according to his purpose. But it's so important to see that verse in context, and especially where, actually, the transition is verse uh, 17. He says that where we become heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we also may share in his glory. So now he goes into, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory. So this whole thing is about suffering, and he talks about creation is suffering. But it's in the midst when we just don't know, are we supposed to endure or are we supposed to be delivered? How do we pray in these times? So Paul flat out says, verse 26, he says, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. Isn't that the dilemma? We don't know if we're supposed to pray for endurance or deliverance. Mostly, we just want to say, Lord, may your purpose be done. Growth, gospel, glory. 
But Paul says, when we don't know what we ought to pray for, the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. And then he says, and we know. And here's really, uh, in my father's huge book on the Spirit called God's Empowering Presence, he makes such a compelling case why he thinks, because the Spirit's been the subject of all the key verbs throughout this entire chapter, where he's convinced that the Spirit is actually the subject of working all things together. So that just before, right, I just read it to you. He says, we don't know how to pray. The Spirit helps us. The Spirit intercedes. The Spirit prays in such a way that the Father and the Spirit understand one another. They know one another's mind. So that he says, well, I didn't know what to pray, but this is what I do know. What I do know is that the Spirit is working all things together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose which in the very next verse, he says that we were predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. There it goes back to that being created in the likeness of Jesus. But here's the key point. So many times when we pray, we have an idea of how we think it ought to come out. And Paul's flat out saying, you know what, guys, it's really rare that we know how to pray as we ought. What he's trying to encourage our hearts with is that every time we pray, the Spirit is also interceding. And when the Spirit's interceding, Paul says he is always interceding according to the will of the Father, and the Father always understands him, understands what he's saying, understands his mind and heart. And he says, here's the point, is that you can trust the outcome is the will of God, and the Spirit is working it out for good. You see, sometimes, you guys, in the midst of all of this suffering and pain and struggle, we pray, and we mostly pray, God, make it go away. And really, so many times, I just go, Lord, I don't know. You know, even Jesus said, you know, yeah, I'd like this cup to be removed from me, but nevertheless, not my will, but yours. It's like, I don't know what your will is. I just want your purposes accomplished. But the best part about this statement from Paul is that he says, look, even when we don't know what to pray, when we pray, the Spirit is also interceding with us on our behalf, according to the Father's will. And what gives us great comfort and great peace is that what is happening after we pray is what the Spirit is doing. It is the will of God. It is the will of the Father. So I remember when Robin's mother died, when she was only 51, it was very difficult for us. Two people from the church came every single day to pray for her. Many, many times we fasted and prayed, and then she died after a year's struggle. In the past, without knowing this, we would have thought, well, maybe we should have prayed longer. Maybe we should have sent people twice a day. Maybe we could have fasted longer. Maybe there was sin. Maybe there was something. I mean, maybe, 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 right? You have all these ideas that if there was something on my end that could have made the outcome different. But if you really understand this verse, you recognize the fact that, no, we prayed. The Spirit interceded. The Spirit's working all things for good. Now, again, I don't know what good is. And some of the translations, I think, do an injustice when they say for our good, because it doesn't say that in Greek. It just says for good. And we have to trust that only God knows what the good is, that his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts higher than our thoughts. And that sometimes we're not going to know what the good is. We just know that he is. And we leave that into his hands. 
But brothers, sisters, friends, today, really, you've got to hear this. When you pray, the Spirit helps you. He is praying. And then he says, know this, know this, that I, the Spirit of God, am working all things together for good for you who love God and are called according to his purpose. In the end, you guys, this is what brings some of the greatest peace, the greatest comfort, the greatest hope, is that it's not up to me. I pray, but the Spirit prays, and I can trust that the outcome is the will of the Father for now, for today. And then I don't have to wonder, did I not do enough? Should I have done more? Is there something in the way? Is there some problem? So I just want to encourage you, listen, 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 listen to the Spirit say again to you, I know you do not know how you ought to pray or what you ought to pray for, but when you pray, I, the Holy Spirit, am interceding for you on your behalf with words and groans. And know that the Father knows my heart and I pray according to the Father's will. And I pray for you. Know then that I am working everything for good, everything for good for you who love me, for you who love Jesus, for you who love the Father. I am working everything for good. And somehow, someway, it's always working to conform you to the likeness of Jesus. For people to come to know me and for my glory to be seen, experienced, marveled at. Thank you, Lord. So, Lord, help us all to take heart. Help us all to take heart for all the things that we've talked about together. Lord, help us experience the troubles that you promised would come in such a different way as we grow to apply this and live this out. Lord, we ask you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you. Bless you. Enjoy. Enjoy.